some glad morning when this life is o'er, fly away. Good morning, everyone. Will you stand with us? I tell you what, it's good to be home, good to be with brothers and sisters in Christ. Our theme this morning is God's love. Let's sing Because of Your Love. As we come into your presence, we remember every blessing that you poured out so freely from above. Lifting gratitude and praises for compassion so amazing, for we come to give you thanks for all you've done. Because of your love, we're forgiven. Because of your love, our hearts are clean. We lift you up with songs of freedom. Forever we're changed because of your love. We come into your presence, we remember every blessing that you poured out so freely from above. Lifting gratitude and praises for compassion so amazing, Lord, we come to give you thanks for all you Because of your love, we're forgiven. Because of your love, our hearts are clean. We lift you up with songs of freedom. Forever we're changed because of your Please be seated. Sonia and I have been gone for two weeks. Missed last Sunday, and so good to be back. And you can be seated too. I'll, even even you guys in the front can be seated. Thank you. That you know they're always looking for the attention. I don't know what it is. Just love those people. They're great dog sitters too. They call me Josie's dad. So it's so good to be home. Isn't God wonderful? We have so much to be thankful for, and I know that some of us, even today, may be struggling with some really hard, uh, uh, difficult situations, but, you know, God is good all the time. He loves us. We have the promise of heaven. We can have peace as we pray and trust him with our struggles, and especially in the good times, we need to remember to thank him for all his blessings, right? Where's that Jasper at? Is he still here? There he is. Come up here, handsome Jasper. Good morning, everyone. That's going to be quick. Uh, just a quick announcement. Ladies, Spring Brunch this Saturday, May 27 at 11.30 a.m. And uh, Ms. Debbie got to give more information about that. And let us continue to help uh, promoting our VBS uh, Vacation Bible School this summer. That's going to be June 5th to 9 at 5 p.m. to 8. And to our guests, if this is your first time, welcome to Tucson Mountain Baptist Church. And we encourage you to fill out our guest registration card because your presence matters to us. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the new day, new life, new opportunity to experience your grace once again. And Father, we pray that you will speak to us personally as we sing, listen to your holy word. We ask for the Holy Spirit to minister to each one of us, Lord. Fill us with reverence, joy, love as we worship you in Christ's precious name. Amen. Okay, ladies, this is the last day you can sign up. Boy, this mic is really loud. Uh, 
If you can sign up at the back, tell us if you want chicken or ham, but this is the final day. So if you're not sure you're coming, but you want to come, go ahead and sign up because staff will just eat the extra sandwiches the week after. So there you go. Right. Isn't it great to have all these ministries with people volunteering to take care of all these things? That's wonderful. All right. We're going to sing next, uh, I Stand Amazed in the Presence. Oh, I forgot the verse. Thank you. I've been away. Not that that really matters, unfortunately, but as I said, our theme is God's love. This is from Romans 8, 37 through 39. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right. You know what? If you'd like to stand on this one, it kind of makes sense, but you don't have to. Seated. All right. 
singing of God's love, let's sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It's a powerful song. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which are the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Amen. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know I know with all my heart his wounds have paid my ransom. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song for you now. It's an older song, but we have, I don't think we've even done it since I've been leading and singing here this last few years. But it's a, it's a great song. We'll try to work it into our normal uh, sets of songs. You're worthy of my praise. You all my praise. You alone, alone 
Isn't it nice to have so many talented people? I thank Jasper and uh, Ryan <coughs> for taking those kids because I couldn't do that. <laughs> Not that I really want to go out hiking like that. Um, I want you guys to realize something. Over the next four to six weeks, some folks are going to be starting to take vacation. There may not be as many people here, but uh, you want to pray for those that you see that are not here while they're away on vacation. And... Um, you know, I, I, I struggled with try to, trying to figure out where to start this message this morning. Um, before we get started on that, our Wednesday night crowd group told me that they really weren't fans of technology. <laughs> and I got to thinking about that, and Paul and I ran some numbers, and uh, we looked at some of the ways technology is helping us. And I've taken some flack lately in regard to some things, and I'm, I'm trying to keep a lid on my attitude about it, to tell you the truth. But some of the statistics that we've seen, um, 
since uh, 9-22-21. We are averaging 4,241 hits on our website each month. Uh, I'm told that's pretty good. Um, We have, I asked Paul to run some Google Analytics and we looked at some of those and Google Analytics tells us where those hits are coming from. And um, last month, it said that we did 3,987 hits for the month of April 1st through April 30th. And um, it's interesting to me because I've, I've heard some quite a few people, but we're having hits from China, Canada, Russia, Aruba, Dominican Republic, India. I know that in the States, we have had um, hits from... Uh, Phoenix, Columbus, Ohio, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Las Vegas, Tempe, uh, uh, outside of Dallas, and uh, several in Pennsylvania and some in Missouri. So it's interesting to me that some of these things are, because we're making an impact in places other than right here. And it's through the music and prayerfully the message but we don't know all that. We just know that we're getting those hits. Some of them may be stumbling onto a website by mistake. But some of them may be sitting and watching too. So we want to continue to pray for the ministries. And we thank all the musicians and the singers and the IT people and all those people that put in the work behind the scenes that make all that happen. Because prior to COVID, we really weren't out there like that. So that's a positive that came out of that. So we need to keep that in mind. All right. So let's get into the message. This is my third attempt in three months. Three attempts in three months to get you guys to visualize what I'm calling a life development church. And the business of a life development church is very simple. It's discipleship and Christian life development. That's one of those well-duh things, right? Life development. The Great Commission says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. You know, go and make disciples. I was recently told that I'm not evangelistic-minded enough. So I'm not sure what that means, because every time I get up here, I'm trying to push evangelism some way, somehow. But here's the thing. The business end product of the church, if you want to look at it as a business proposition, is to complete, to make complete and mature disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So the question I want to ask you this morning, how's business? And how do we do that? How do we evaluate that? What's the process we use to arrive at that end result? What are the programs that are in place? So I want to lay out some things this morning and for us just to absorb those things and think about those things. Our specific sense, our specific mission, if you would, is to attract and develop members and to mature models of Christ-like character and conduct and mobilize them for ministry in the church and a meaningful mission in the world. That is what the church is supposed to be doing. We bring the community into the crowd. That's the first part of evangelism. We also need to develop the members that are here into mature models. Why? We need to develop those members into mature models so that they can be the demonstration are the product that those coming into the church see. And Scripture says they'll know us by our what? Our love. They'll know us by our love. So part of what we need to be doing is demonstrating that love. As mature models, we want to make sure that every single one of us talk the talk and walk the walk. It's an ongoing process. It never stops. They need to be audiovisual Christians. And every single one of us need to do that. <clears throat> Listen, I'm going to tell you my heart cry, all right? I don't, I'm not 
as concerned, and I'm not just concerned, about the number of people that walk the aisle each year. I'm not just concerned about the number of baptisms. I'm concerned about the spiritual development of every single person that walks in those doors, comes down that aisle, or has been sitting here for years already. Where are you at in your spiritual walk with Christ? That's what I'm concerned about. The real thing I want to know is who is going to be counted on by Christ and by his body of believers when all hell breaks loose. That's what I'm concerned about. That's what I want to know more than anything else. So we need to produce models that have Christ-like character. And they need to be able to have Christ-like character in conduct and behavior and belief system. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed like the likeness of his Son. You need to underline, highlight, or circle that. Conformed like the likeness of his Son. Every single one of us are to be that. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Listen, the Christian life is about becoming like Christ. And we need to work on that. God's number one plan and purpose for my life is to make me more like him. God's number one purpose in your life is to make you more like Jesus. Every single day. It's got to be in character and it's got to be in conduct. It can't just be one or the other. It has to be both because one follows the other. You know, many churches are great and they're able to teach and, and put all those beliefs before the people. And we want to do that. But the people don't demonstrate those beliefs. They don't flesh them out in the real world. We need to do that more and more each and every time that we're before anyone else inside and outside the church. We want to be able to focus on believing and behaving the way Jesus did. Listen, my goal when I step up here on this platform anytime is to attract and develop members. My task as I understand it is to help those members mature and, and models Christ-like character and conduct, mobilize them for ministry and a mission to the world. That's how I see it. We define the works of ministry in this particular way. Everybody needs a ministry in the church and everyone needs a mission in the world. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Listen, as I read all that, the pastor's duty is to tend to the flock. All right? The pastor cannot do it alone. I don't care if it's me or somebody else up here doing this. If they're the lead pastor or an assistant pastor or an associate pastor... And I've been, I've been in some form of church leadership for more than 30 years now. I went back and looked and double-checked. I had to double-check. <laughs> I have to be interested in not only the mission of the world, but I have to be interested in the ministry of the church. <clears throat> to be well-balanced, a Christian needs a ministry in the body and a mission in life to the world. So that's what we're looking for. What makes this life development church so concept so different? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We have to think about this. It doesn't matter what stage an individual is in their life, whether they're in childhood, youth, or college and career, young adults, marriage, married, young married couples, senior married couples. doesn't matter whether you're in retirement or not. These predictable stages in life need to be looked at. We want to think through what happens during each one of those stages. How can we help people have a ministry at each one of those stages of life? And what does that look like? And how can we train them to do missions out in the world over time? So we're looking at long-range planning, not short-range planning. We have a relationship segment. We have a work segment. We have a family segment, a financial portion to this. All these things. There's a social and a recreational part of it too. All these things take place. We want to think, how is a Christian supposed to act and behave and conduct themselves in character and conduct? That's what we want to demonstrate. 
But that's also what we want those coming in to learn. So it's very, very important. The theological foundation of all this is twofold. One, we believe Christianity is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And we want to practice that lifestyle every moment of our life. Number two, Christianity is not a religion. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that puts us in a personal relationship with God that puts us in a personal relationship with one another. It has to be ongoing. Jesus didn't say, I come to bring you more religion. He said this in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The life development church is about teaching people how to live the Christian life. It's actually more than that. Listen, in every meeting we do, in every food distribution we do, in every homeless ministry project, in every song we sing, in everything we do, it should all be about promoting that lifestyle and encouraging one another and building one another up so that when we go out in the world, we represent Christ in the right way. If we're not doing those things, then why are we doing it? Listen, we need to teach people not only how to live for Christ, but we also need to teach people how to die for Christ. need to think about that. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We also want to move the people from the audience to the army. Now, we talked about spiritual battle a few weeks ago. I want you to think about this. The Christian lifestyle has four specific components. And I'm going to go through these quickly. There's four key components. Every believer is a member of Christ's family. Now listen, you may not be a member of this church, but you are a member of Christ's family if you believe that Christ is your Savior and you are working on repenting of all the sins in your life and you are following Him and doing your utmost best to be what he wants you to be, as you understand it. Now, some of you may not understand it yet. He will show you through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But every believer is a member of Christ's body. Every believer needs maturity. We need that spiritual maturity to become what Christ wants us to be. And every believer is a minister. You may not think you're a minister, but God's Word says you're a minister. Yeah, surprised by that one? And every believer is a missionary. I know some people say, well, I wasn't called to be a missionary. Yeah, well, you need to go back and look at that first verse that I read. Okay? Think about that. Everything we do, whether it's children's ministry, youth ministry, whether it's singles or women's ministries or men's ministry, every single one of those involve those four key components. And we need to keep that in mind as we look at this. Romans 12, 5 says, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You need a circle, highlight, or underline, each member belongs to all the others. Do you realize that if you're sitting on this side of the room or you're sitting on this side of the room, that you still belong to one another? Ephesians 4, 12, and 13 again. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith. That's maturity. We want to be built up and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're called to do. Listen, spirit. that's spiritual maturity and completeness. Has, have any of us reached that? No, because when we reach that, God's going to take us home. Listen, Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All these components meet all four of those life's basic needs. Think about it. Where do we get our power and energy? From the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. That's how we do all these things that sometimes seem impossible to do. But we need to be willing to do that. Listen, we need people to live with so that we learn about relationships. We need principles to live by. We need a profession to live on. And we need a purpose to live for. And it reflects every single one of those first four key components. We need relationships because that is a sense of belonging. 
Listen, even the Lone Ranger had Tano. He wasn't by himself, okay? Every believer is a member of Christ's body. We belong to the body and the family of Christ, and we need to remember that. That's where those relationships are built, and it's important that's where those relationships become strengthened. Now, we're not to isolate and insulate ourselves from the world. I understand that. But you know what? Here's the problem. The relationships you have with non-believers will not help you understand and make that Christ-like attitude, conduct, and behavior in your life. You still need those relationships, but that's not what's going to make that Christ-like conduct and character. It's only through relationships with those members in God's family that that's going to take place. We teach over and over again that there's specific principles to live by. Every time we turn around, every believer is a minister. Every believer needs to minister some way, somehow. It may be to a family member. It may be to someone here in the church. It may be to someone outside the church. But we need to minister. We need to be that minister. And we need to make sure we give those ministry things that we have, the gifts, talents, abilities, to help others. They're not private. God has gifted us not only to serve in the body, but in the world. And if you're serving in the world, your profession may very well be your ministry and your mission. Think about this for a second. What about a lawyer? A lawyer can say, well, my ministry and my mission in life is to be able to show and give people the justice that they need and deserve. How about a doctor? A doctor could say the same thing. He's, he says, you know what? My ministry and my mission in the world is to help physically heal people. So it can be a ministry and mission together. Every believer is a missionary, and we all need to live and participate in that one way or another. In Acts 20, 24, Paul says in a Good News version, I consider my life of no value unless... I use it to fulfill the ministry and the mission that God gave me to do. That mission of communicating the good news to others. Listen, think about this. There's two things we're not going to be able to do in heaven, or we're not going to need to do in heaven. One of them is sin, and the other one is witness. We're not going to need to do that. So why are we left here on earth? Well, it's to minister to others, and it's to fulfill our mission in life. That is what's key. We're left here to tell people about Jesus, and we're left here to continue growing until we reach full maturity. Those things come together. There's no greater purpose, there's no greater thing in life to do than help bring people into God's kingdom. Our business is discipleship development. Our customers are first this. We have to think about this. It's the community. It's the people outside these walls. The second thing is it's the crowd. Now, the crowd, I've told you before, the crowd that comes in is not necessarily the congregation. The crowd and the congregation are two different things. And then you have the committed and the core. The community are those that are uncommitted to anything to do with Christianity. They're just out there. They're floating. We're going to, right now, the media calls them nons. They're not connected to any kind of religious belief. They may be atheistic. They may be agnostic. They're just nons. They're not anything, okay, when it comes to spiritual beliefs. But the key thing is we need to move the crowd, or the community, rather, into the crowd. That gets them in the building. The crowd is committed to at least coming and listening. They're interested in what, what it is we're doing. And then we want to move that crowd to the congregation. We want them to make that life-changing decision to follow Jesus. And then from the congregation, you have the committed. And the committed are the ones that are committed themselves to spiritual growth and maturity. And then from the committed, you have the core. And the core 
are those that are not only committed to self-personal spiritual growth, they're committed to serving in ministries and finding their mission in life. So there's, there's an ongoing process. But in each one of those ministries, we have to think about something. And this is where strategic planning comes in. You look at all those ministries, whether, again, children or youth or young adults or senior adults or singles or women's ministries or men's ministries, what takes place? Each one of those groups have those five individual characteristics in place. The community, the crowd, the congregation. And you have to think, each one of those five areas, what are their specific needs? I often wonder, you know, what, what are their needs? What are their wants? How can we minister to them? What can we do differently? How can we project the church out to them to show them that we're not kooks? Or there's not something unethical going on in here? We need to be able to do that. We want to be able to bring them in, build them up, train them, and then send them out. That's a life development church in a nutshell. We bring them into membership, we build them up for maturity, we train them for ministry, and then we send them out as missionaries. It's an ongoing process. We need to be aware and understand that there's some specific steps that do this. So here we go. Listen quick, because I'm going to talk quick. Number one, we help them explore. We help them explore. The first step is we invite the community in to the church to explore what Christ is all about. Think about this. Jesus said in John 1:39, Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Think of some of those exploratory tools that we use right now. One of them's coming up, Vacation Bible School. For the children and youth, we have different activities. You just saw the video that, that Jasper and Ryan did. <clears throat> we have Harvest Festival. We have these different things to reach out to younger families, different ministries. We have an invitation for the community to come in and say, come check us out. Come see that there's not any unethical things happening here. Come see that there's some very legitimate, life-changing things taking place. The second thing is for adults. We've had the car show. We've had the band that comes in with the car show. We've had ministry fairs. We have different things to draw different groups. And now that COVID is lifted and all these other things are taking away, we can start some of those things and revamping some of those things. We need to bring people in who may not be ready to come to a worship service and sit down like this right here, but they're willing to come in to an event that is non-threatening for them and their mindset. The second thing we need to do is we need to enlighten them. Once they come into a worship service and sit down and relax, we need to offer them salvation. We need to offer them that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's what we try to do every Sunday morning with the music, with the message, with the song, all of it. I don't want people going out of here saying, well, I thought Christianity was this. But when they leave, I want them to know, oh, that's what it's about. There's something different about this group of people. They love one another. They love me. They care about me. They accept us, no matter who we are. That's what life's all about with God, what Christianity is all about. That's what Jesus expects of me as a child of God. I need to do this, that, or the other. That's fine. Listen, through everything we do on Sunday morning, we want to help enlighten people whether they're first-timers or long-timers. It doesn't really matter. John 8, 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, will, but will have the light of life. You know, it's interesting because when the light's turned on, people are not as fearful. 
people have better understanding. We want to enlighten them to know Christ. That's the very best description of becoming born again, don't you think? Number three, we want to enlist them. We take them from the crowd. We incorporate them uh, from the community to the crowd. Once they accept Christ, we want to enlist them. Listen, we don't want them just coming in and saying, well, okay, I'm a Christian, but I'm not involved in anything. We want people to become involved. Whether it's calling people, whether it's following up, whether it's praying for others, it doesn't matter the ministry they're involved with as long as they're involved. Romans 5.12 once again says, So in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We need to think about how we're moving people from the community to the crowd to the congregation and how, what that looks like. We have some people who come and serve very faithfully. They're not members yet, but some of them are talking to me about it. And they're, and they're wanting to know. They're interested. But you know what? When we did Class 101 last year, I had a lady come to me and she said, you know, I've been coming for years, and I never really realized what church membership meant until you did this class. And she said, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you that, but she said, I'm so glad I came. So there's, there's a reason of that. We want to enlist them. We want to, number four, we want to edify them. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. What does that mean? We want to build them up. We want to help them understand. We don't want them to just come into church and be on a roll. A life development church, we don't want to assume anything. And we definitely want to, don't want to assume that they're going to grow just by being here. I think that's a mistake. Growth must be intentional, not incidental or accidental. It has to be intentional. We have intentional programs in place like Sunday school. We have at least three to four small groups going in people's homes right now that I know of. There may be more. We have Wednesday night teaching. We have Sunday morning preaching. All these things, spiritual growth is and must be an ongoing process. It can never stop, should never stop. I think we need to develop some kind of qualitative um, survey that we can put in people's hands so they can do a self-assessment on where they're at in their spiritual life, in their spiritual growth. What has taken place over the last six months or maybe a year in their life? Yes, I'm part of a small group. Yes, I've witnessed to somebody in the last six months. Yes, I know somebody, a friend of mine that came to the Lord, and they're coming to a Bible study with me. All these things are important, and all these things need to be the process of helping out. My question is, how are we getting the job done? How are we fleshing out? Is everything we're doing on Wednesdays and Sundays and in those small group studies, when they leave there, when those people leave, is what they're learning being fleshed out in the world outside when they step away? That's what I want to know. How's it working? Are lives being changed for the long haul? After we edify them, the fifth thing we do is we examine them. Romans 12, 3 from the Living Bible says, As God's messenger, I give each of you God's warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves. Now listen, it doesn't say measure your neighbor. It doesn't say measure your spouse. It says measure yourself. Measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Listen, we want to give people the tools to understand how to evaluate themselves. We want to be able to help them understand where they're at in their spiritual walk. That's what it all boils down to. We have all these ministries. We, wanna, we, we need to not worry so much about if we have a slot to fill, filling it. In my humble opinion, we need to start by asking and talking to the person and evaluating them ourselves and say, you know, what has God made you to do? What is the task that God has given you? What are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your abilities that we should be putting into practice? And we want to help you put those into practice. Number six, we employ them. 
And that means exactly what I say. We employ them. After we've helped them discover and found the place that they wish to serve, then we ought to be able to allow them and put them to work in a ministry. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. I want you to underline, highlight that, to serve others. Those gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us are not for us to hide and put under a bushel basket. You know? But a lot of us do, unfortunately. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. The purpose of the spiritual gift is to serve others. It's not just for own benefit. It is to be, we are to be serving others and helping others inside the church and outside the church. Number seven, we equip them. 2 Timothy 3.17 says, So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, as people move into different ministries and they become more committed to their spiritual growth, our job is to help equip them. We believe on-the-job training is the best way to do that. And once they start working in those ministries. Some churches I know of, I, I had a call from someone a while back, another pastor of a church here in town. He was quite upset <clears throat> with me and us for, for not having a pre... How did he phrase it now? Let me think a minute. A, a pre-member um, class before anyone could become a member of our church. His church has an eight-week class you must attend before you can become a member. And I went back to the book of Acts, and I went and looked at Pentecost, and I'm going, I don't see this. And I politely told him so. He was not happy. Um, the difficulty is every church does it a different way. And, and I'm not judging or condemning anyone. We accept you as who you say you are. We watch, we listen, we pay attention. But you know what? Everybody's got to start somewhere. Even a new believer that comes in. You take a new believer and you tell them, well, okay, before you can join our church, we need you to take an eight-week class. Most of them aren't going to do it today. You know, that's the problem. So we equip them. One of the things we want to do is not do is have too much up front. All you need to do to start is understand your gift, your heart, your abilities. It has to do with your personality, your life experiences. All those things tie in. And number eight... We encourage them. We provide, we try to provide as much continuous support through communications, ongoing mentoring, anything we can provide to help them understand. They need recognition also. All these people that work in these various ministries right now around the church, they need to understand, they need to get credit where credit is due. And we want to do that. Romans 10, 12, 10 through 11 in Philip's translation says, Let us have a real warm affection for one another as between brothers and a willingness to let the other man have the credit. Let us not allow slackness to spoil our work and to let us keep the fires of the Spirit burning as we do our work for God. Part of the job of the church as a whole and the leadership as a whole to make sure those spiritual fires stay burning. And we want to continually do that. So we have the on-the-job training. We have the spiritual gifts, the talents and abilities, putting all those things into, into motion, if you would. And then after all this takes place, we evaluate. We evaluate. We ensure accountability through feedback. And that helps produce ongoing excellence. Hebrews 13, 17 says this. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, so that would be of no advantage to you. Listen, one day we're going to stand before God and all of us are going to give an account. But the spiritual leaders within your teaching groups and your pastors 
I, I struggle with this sometimes. I've got people that knew me when, 30 plus years ago. They still cannot call me pastor today. And it's because they knew me when. Well, you know what? That's just an office. That's just a name, a position. But there should be some respect for the office of pastor, I believe. I, as the church leader right now, will have to give more of an account than many of you. For the souls that are underneath the ministry of my care, and I want to make sure that I honor that as well as I can. And that is a task I take dearly, personal, and, and very, very seriously. The only way people learn is through feedback. And we need to be able to give those people feedback. When people are in the dark, they oftentimes are very nervous because they can't see. And we want to help them be able to see the light of Christ in everything we say and everything we do. So as a life development church, we want to bring them in. We want to build them up. We want to train them, and we want to send them out. That is our task. That is our calling. We need to constantly be asking, how are we fulfilling these steps in other people's lives? How are we fulfilling these steps in our own lives? What are we doing to make sure all those things take place? Some churches emphasize the crowd. Some churches emphasize the community. Some churches emphasize the congregation. They're very, they're very uh, turned in with their cells. Other churches emphasize the committed, those that do the most work. Other churches emphasize the core, those central people that do all the internal things and are working on missions and ministries and all the things combined I talked about. But you know what? We want to have a balance. We want to focus on all five of those things. That's how we become a true life development church. That's the vision from a biblical perspective that I have fleshed out of God's word. So this is my last attempt to give this to you guys. Maybe. Listen, we want to emphasize all five of these to be a well-balanced church. So that the last thing we can say is so that all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and I just want to lift up these people to you. I want to lift up this church body to you. Whether, whether there's guests amongst us today or whether it's, it's, it's all folks that have been here for quite a while. We thank you, Lord, that each one of them are here and they, and they love you and they care about you and they want to learn about you. But Lord, I pray that you'd continue pouring out your blessings upon this church. And while we're reaching people in different ways that we may not have before, I thank you for your love and your mercy and the watch care that you've given over this congregation, the unity that you have given this congregation. I know there's some naysayers here, but there have been some magnificent things happening. And we just thank you for that. Lord, we lift everything up to you. And if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you as their Savior and Lord, but would like to, maybe they've been thinking of it for a while, and they understand the, the heartfelt vision that I have, at least, for the church from a biblical perspective. And they, and they believe this church is the place they can do that. I pray that you would have them make that decision today, move in their hearts and their minds. If there's those that have, have made that decision to follow you, but they've never been baptized, and, and they would like to be, Allow them to come forward today and we'll help them get that set up so that they can be baptized the way you were baptized, Lord. And if there's those that have done all that, but they've not tied into a church home right now, or maybe they're just new to this area and they're, they're wanting to be uh, part of a church family that they believe is going to be continuing growing, that you would move in their lives to draw them closer to you and that they would step forward this morning and become part of this body of believers and a part of the member of our family. Now, Father, we love you and we praise you, and we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. If you can and would, stand please. all for coming this morning. Uh, I do want to advise you, um, Kathy and I are going to be one of those ones that are taking a little vacation for a few weeks. Uh, your deacons and trustees, uh, I looked it up and tried to calculate it. Uh, since Pastor Jay went home to be with the Lord, uh, I'm somewhere between 125 and 130 straight Sundays with you guys. And um, they've deemed it necessary that I get out of here for a little bit. <laughs> They're tired of me, I think. Um, but we're going to take a couple of weeks off. Pastor Jasper will be filling the pulpit uh, for two Wednesdays and one Sunday. And please, don't stop coming because somebody else is different in the pulpit. Come listen to Jasper preach. He does a great job, and he's a little nervous about Sunday, so I really need you guys to give him all the support and love that you can give him Sunday, okay? The smaller group on Wednesday night, he's okay with. But uh, he's a little nervous about Sunday. So just show him your love and show him your concern for him. And uh, we want to thank you for coming today. Like I said, it, it's, it's been quite a few Sundays. But you know what? We love each one of you guys. And we want you guys, if you're traveling and you're taking your vacation over anywhere over the next two or three weeks, please be careful. Have a great trip. And we'll see you back when everybody gets back. How many of you have heard Pastor Jasper preach? He did a good job, didn't he? He does a great job. We're looking forward to hearing you, brother. And Lynn, I got to say, I think your third time was the best. I thought you did great today. Amen? Amen? All right. All right. Let's sing together. Jesus loves even me. I am so glad our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Chorus again. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, I am so glad that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves even me. Don't forget Jesus loves you. Have a great week.
and morning when this life is o'er, I fly away to a home.